Here by the Owl podcast is a podcast for owlets and wise owls alike. Join hosts Nikki Fiddle-Eye-Doll and Brianna Briegel along with rotating owls from across the country as they discuss what it takes to advise from time to time. Our podcast is fueled by the true knowledge from empowering agricultural education instructors and ripen with the wisdom you will never learn in a textbook. This episode is sponsored by ICEV Media. Their summer conference, CTE Inspired, has over 90 sessions to choose from in their 17 strands. Some of their session strands include ICEV Basics, Agricultural Science, Career Exploration, STEM, Technology in the Classroom, and so much more. Because of the demand for CTE Inspired, they have uh, two conference dates, July 27th through July 29th or August 9th through 11th. Depending on which sessions that you attend, you have the option of earning professional development certificates and digital a digital badge for those conferences. You can register on icevonline.com forward slash CTE inspired for this free event. Welcome back to another episode of Here by the Owl podcast. We're excited um, to be talking about one of our favorite FFA events of the year, National FFA Convention. And with us today, we have our friend Mandy, um, and she's going to give us all the tea um, about National Convention. And I know everybody listening is just excited to potentially be in person uh, if their schools and states will allow them. And so um, it just it feels good for me to be talking about a, a normal convention again. Um, last year, we recorded an episode about the virtual convention, so it's only fitting that we move forward. But Mandy, can you start by introducing yourself and kind of describe your, your position at National FFA and what your responsibilities are in that role? Yeah, sure. Well, um, hello, everyone. And you guys, thanks so much for having me on here today. It's it's exciting for you guys to hear about convention and be able to talk about it in person. I cannot tell you how exciting I how excited I am to be planning it in person this year. The whole team is just beyond themselves with you know with just joy and excitement for it. But um, so my name is Mandy Hazlett. I am the associate director of convention and events at the National FFA. This is actually going to be my 14th convention. So time time flies when you're having when you're having fun, I guess. But my big responsibility is just the overall management of all of our conferences and events, and then obviously our you know our pinnacle event, the National uh, Convention and Expo. So I manage a team um, of individuals, and we have um, a couple of event managers on that team that help out with all of the planning and the logistics of all the different things that happen at convention. We have an individual who is responsible for managing the housing and the registration process. And then uh, we have another person whose job is to manage the expo and shopping mall. And then we have a logistics manager who is in charge of, I always joke around and say, if it has to be secured or moved, this guy is this guy's in charge of it. So um, we're a small but mighty team, but then the entire national staff and then a ton of volunteers and committees 
um, get involved to actually pull the entire you know convention off. But throughout the year, that is that is my main uh, my main focus point. Um, but then obviously we have several other you know conferences and meetings and events that take place that uh, we plan out and, and are in charge of all of those logistics. So it's a it's a pretty fun job. I won't I won't lie. It's it's a dang fun job. Well, and we're really excited to have you here and, and grateful that you're taking the time to do it because obviously it's kind of go time for you in mm -hmm. your role and, and all of your staff members too. So we really appreciate it. Um, nice. A lot of us have kind of heard it's going to be a hybrid convention this year. So why did National FFA choose to do it as a hybrid option of having both virtual and um, in-person events? Yeah, so... You know, last year when we all kind of, you know, got forced into, you know, either, you know, not having an event at all or quickly trying to figure out how you can still pull your event off and in a virtual audience, um, you know, how that was going to happen. And so there was some very uh, fast paced learning that took place, you know, last year. And, you know, what we ended up providing and the experience that we were able to provide and the reach that we were able to make. Uh, with our virtual convention last year, both with the television broadcast of, you know, the normal things that you get to experience in a session, um, and also then the virtual, just the learning and the education side of it last year, you know, we really learned some lessons on there is a convention for all, even if you're not in person and can't, you know, and can't be in person. And, you know, over the last several years, we've always done a live streaming of the general sessions. And so, you know, if you weren't able to come in person, you could at least at the very least, you could watch, you know, the general sessions in the opening session. But then with last year, we really kind of learned that there are some other things that we can still provide. Um, in a hybrid type setting um, so that folks that are at home for whatever various reasons um, just can't make it in person, we can still give them more than just the live streaming, you know, of the sessions. And so, you know, outside of just the program changes that we've had to make this year with not really knowing what restrictions were going to be in front of us, what restrictions were going to be in front of everybody else at the, at the state and local levels, you know, so we obviously have some pretty big programmatic changes. However, we felt like we could still put together a virtual program um, and not, not as robust as what everybody saw last year, um, but still be able to provide a virtual experience for those who, who can't be here this year. And I will tell you, there's, being, there's a lot of work being done right now, especially on the session production of, of changing how that experience is going to be. So it doesn't matter if you're sitting in the audience at the stadium or if you're at home watching on your phone or your TV or big screen in the classroom or whatever the case may be, both parties will be able to feel like they are actually interactive in the event, um, in the experience. And so we learned a lot last year on how to do that and how to do that well. Um, so we're excited. We're, I'm sure we're gonna have some bumps along the way this year. This is the first time that we're attempting a hybrid model you know, of convention. I mean, it's, it's been an in-person convention for now going on 94 years. And we're attempting something brand new this year. So I'm excited. It's a little nerve wracking because it is new, but I think that we'll learn some good lessons this year and just keep improving on this hybrid experience if this is the route that we, you know, keep going after, after 21. But I think the hybrid kind of experience is here to stay on, on many levels for a lot of things. Um, you know, there's just, you're able to do more. You're able to reach people quicker and faster. Um, and so I think there's some elements that we'll, we'll end up keeping even past 21, I'm sure. 
one, what an opportunity for one, I think for a whole organization to look at the challenges we had last year and you still were able to provide such a robust conference for students around the nation. And this year, you, your team could have easily said, nope, in-person's the only way because that's the only way we know. And, and you're, you're coming together as a team to figure that out uh, just to make a good experience. And I mean, think about if we didn't sit down in you know 1969 and figure out if women should join the organization would we be relevant and will we continue to be relevant if we didn't make these changes did we need a pandemic to push us there maybe it would have been nice if we could have just done it on our own, own accord but um yeah. i just i think it just speaks wonders to to the drive of everybody not just our kids not just our ag teachers but just to move this forward um i think it's a, an exciting time because um, I know there's many ag teachers that don't get the opportunity to take their kids or to yeah. take all of their kids. And exactly. so, um, and bumps are expected, right? Yeah. So we all need, oh, to, yeah. we need to take a step back and, and remember this is huge. Uh, and for it to go without any problems would be a miracle, even an in-person event. Would be a miracle and unheard of. <laughs> yes, yeah. <laughs> In-person problems, we just probably don't know that they happen, you know. <laughs> so, that's good. I that's that's the whole that's the whole trick yeah. is to make sure that you guys don't know that they're that they're happening. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so what highlight a few things that are you said this year that can be virtual that we didn't realize could be virtual um, and that could potentially be virtual uh, moving forward, but we'll highlight some of those things that ag teachers uh, know and love that even if they're not attending or if they have kids, you know, staying back home, what can they participate in that is for sure going to be on the virtual um, side yeah. of the program? So just like we've done in previous years, you know, we'll continue to do a live streaming um, of all of the general sessions. And so that will also include the opening sessions as well as then uh, the American degree ceremony, you know, on Saturday. So all of that is, you know, is still out there, still an option. Um, and then we had such great success last year with the virtual FFA Blue Room um, that we have decided to continue that as a virtual only experience uh, this year. So, um, you know, that was a new event that we kicked off back in 2018 and had great success with it in both 18 and 19. Um, and what we were able to do with it last year and then keep it open uh, through May of 21, um, we're going to give that a try again. Um, so the, the uh, FFA Blue Room will be a virtual only experience. And then, you know, education is such a huge and leadership development is such a huge part of, of convention for both students and for teachers. And so last year, you know, we put together, you know, quite a big library of, of workshops that people could watch on demand in their own time. You know, we know that, you know, just because you're not attending convention in person doesn't mean that you have a whole free school day to participate, you know, virtually. And so that on-demand option was really important for us. So we're going to, again, offer some student and teacher uh, leadership development workshops that will be on demand that will go live um, during that week of convention. And then National Days of Service. So that was another big one that you know, the service component of, of the organization, but of the convention is such a key factor in the entire, you know, experience. And the, um, the Living to Serve team really stepped up last year to make sure that even in a pandemic, 
they could create those service community opportunities that people could do in their local towns, you know, their local schools, you know, communities, wherever, and still do it in a very safe manner. Now, thankfully, things have, you know, kind of moved in a good direction. And so um, we've decided to keep that, that National Days of Service program for the entire month of October again. So uh, come September, um, there will be information poured out on how you can participate in NDOS during the whole month of October. Um, and then also, if you're going to be in person, you'll come and do it as well. But really giving that program a chance to continue, you know, at that local level. So that will be um, an option as well. Um, what you're not going to see this year in the virtual experience is an expo. So the expo will be an in-person only um, and the shopping mall as well. Obviously, you can always go to shopffa.org, um, but the other vendors that we had involved last year in our virtual shopping mall. So this year, um, we will not be doing, uh, not be offering, offering that up. So in a nutshell, you can do National Days of Service. You can participate in the FFA Blue Room. You can watch uh, on-demand student and teacher workshops. And then, of course, all of the live streaming of the, of the sessions as well. So a pretty robust, still virtual experience. Um, and again, this is only the second year we've done this. And so we'll, we'll see what happens this year um, and, you know, and, and, you know, make some tweaks and changes and, and see what we'll add, maybe add to that, you know, in, in future years, but that's going to be the virtual program for 21. Awesome. So I guess from that, I just have a couple of questions. So the first one is um, what the cost of the virtual platform is going to be last year. It was kind of tiered. Is that the same thing this year? That's probably, this is probably going to be the best news for the entire podcast, but this year we're actually not charging a fee uh, for the virtual program. So the way that it will happen, you know, last year uh, we did have a fee to participate in the entire program. There was a registration process, you know, for people to, uh, to attend virtually. If you are only going to be uh, participating in a virtual manner, you do not have to register and you, there is no cost. And so the access will all come through convention.ffa.org. Um, and so we are continuing to build information out there, but then that week of convention, um, the student and teacher workshop page, you know, all of a sudden those videos will become available to watch on demand. Um, on the FFA Blue Room page, you will have a button that you can click on to then access, go in and actual the Blue Room experience. For the Blue Room, you might still have to enter some, uh, some information, your name, your chapter, things of that nature, but it's not a registration process. It's not, you know, so that, that part from uh, 20 um, may still stay intact, but again, it's um, not something you have to have a reg code for and you don't, you know, you're not paying an extra fee or anything of that nature. So yeah, so for the virtual program, no cost this year. Um, and no registration. So uh, should be a pretty easy way to access and participate. Great. Well, and then I guess the second question that I have, and you kind of mentioned the workshops, but how long are those open? Are they just open the week of convention, the whole month? What does that look like? Yeah, so our plan right now is to leave those up and available throughout the duration of the of the rest of the year. So, um, you know, just like we did back in 20, I think we left everything open and available through at least May. Um, so yeah, our plan is to keep those keep those out there and, and keep those accessible. Um, we'll probably move some of them over into the Video Resource Center just so that there's a couple of different places that you can access that information. Um, but yeah, that those resources and those that experience is going to stay open uh, way beyond uh, just a few days of convention. Won't open until convention, but they'll be there after. How exciting! I know that there's always things yeah. that I don't get the opportunity to do while while I'm at convention that I can mm -hmm. still come home and, and do, or I, my favorite is 
you know, hearing some speakers and then going home and I'm like, we like my kids at home have to hear this. Yeah. And now um, facilitating that in my classroom just became exponentially easier. So. Yeah, and we're going to provide, uh, last year, um, our ed resources team did provide a, um, a teacher resource guide for how to navigate and, and work through the virtual convention. And so they're updating that uh, to have for 2021 as well. So again, if it's something that you want to do in your classroom later on throughout the year, you also have that implementation guide that can help you kind of figure out, you know, sort of what the, how the best way is to, to show that stuff in your classroom. So and that resource guide is not out yet, but last year's resource yeah. guide was top notch. So right. um, Brian and I did an episode last year going through that and how we would implement it. So I'm excited to see what they, they yeah, asked awesome. because it was really awesome. So let's right. talk about in-person. Um, obviously there's some people that get the opportunity to go, which is really exciting. What are some of the, highlight a few of the things that, that students and teachers know and love about in-person convention and that they can expect this year? Yeah, you know, when we were looking, you know, this is the fun part about planning, you know, planning an in-person event during, you know, during the waves of a pandemic and, and, you know, what kind of requirements are put on us, you know, around just the logistics of our event, um, what we can and can't do. And so when we started planning back in May, those things have changed, you know, even sitting here at the end of July, and I'm sure they're going to change again before we get to October 27th. It's just kind of the nature of the life that we're in right now. But it was really important for us to keep the tradition of that in-person experience as, as pulled together as we possibly could. And so while there are, yes, some, some tweaks and some changes into some of the programming this year, really, if you just look at those general events that are typically uh, available during the in-person convention, we still have every single one of those with, you know, one or two exceptions. So still have the expo and shopping mall. Um, and that will be a great experience. Obviously, the sessions, the opening session and the American degree ceremony, those are still taking place and will happen over at Lucas Oil Stadium. Um, we're still offering career success tours this year. I will say that we, we will be down um, some sites. There's just some companies that, you know, either they, they know for sure that they can't have visitors at their facilities or they're unsure and may not know until September. So it's a little late in the game. Um, so we will still have career success tours uh, this year, just not as many as we've had in the past. Um, National Days of Service. So that's a that's a program that we're still offering, but the in-person experience is going to be a little bit different this year. So normally we have about oh, 11 to 13, 14 different uh, community opportunities for people to go out and, and do various activities. With us trying to, you know, figure out the workaround of, of being able to transport and, you know, what those rules are going to be and how all this was going to work. And again, we have some service service uh, opportunities that we've used in the past, they just can't have people this year. You know, they're not ready to bring people back into their facilities yet. So the Living to Serve team kind of got together and they decided that we're going to have uh, National Days of Service on the expo floor. So there's gonna be a couple of different volunteer opportunities. Um, I won't spill the beans right now, um, but that information will get shared soon. Um, but there will be some chances for students to still sign up um, and do a service project. It's just not going to be getting on a bus and being taken to, you know, to somewhere to, to do that. Um, 
student and teacher workshops still will have a series of those for people to participate in. Uh, Bank course and talent, we just closed out our applications this past week. Um, so opportunities there for students to, uh, to perform. Um, and then you get to the entertainment side of it. So we're still having a concert this year. Now we're only having one. Um, it will be on Wednesday night. And some people have asked the question of, you know, why, why are you only doing one? Is there, you know, are you not going to be able to sell the tickets? You know, what is, you know, what is the reasoning? And I will tell you that it is one thing for us to plan and be somewhat um, cautious of what our attendance numbers may look like this year. But I will tell you in the entertainment industry, um, everyone who had canceled performances, concert series, all of those things, they all rebooked for the fall of this year. So there aren't as many artists that are even available in October um, because of that. So we had a little bit of a pinch, even just getting, you know, artists that were available for us this year. So, um, so only having one, it will be Wednesday night. Um, I'm not going to announce who it is here, <laughs> um, but that announcement will be coming soon. And then we will still host uh, three nights of rodeo. Um, so Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday night, and then we will have two uh, hypnotist shows um, still this year as well. So a lot of the same things that, you know, people are very used to, you know, the experience, you know, of convention um, that are still going to be the same this year. It'll just maybe look a little bit, a little bit different if you're, you know, on site. Um, so that being said, too, what can we kind of expect from the competitive events for those teachers who have students competing? Yeah, so there's, you know, so there's a good, good example of some things that we needed to change how that was going to work this year based on what was in front of us, you know, back in, you know, March, April, May, you know, and then, you know, as we move forward and hopefully things continue to get better, you know, just a couple weeks or, um, yeah, a couple weeks ago, the city of Indianapolis, you know, announced that the convention center and other venues could go back to 100% capacity. That was not the case back in you know March, April, and May. Those kinds of changes will keep happening, but there's still some programmatic things that we just can't shift as the country is you know shifting and the requirements are shifting. So with the competitive events this year, you know there are there are a lot a lot is happening virtually before we even get to those days of convention. Um, you know, agri-science fair, proficiencies, national chapter, preliminary rounds for CDEs and LDEs, you know, a lot of that is happening virtually, and I believe even starting this week and next week, um, which is going to make the on-site experience, obviously, you know, very different this year. Um, people can go out, so on convention.ffa.org, there is a link to all the competitive events where you can click on every single one of them and get the fine details uh, for each of those events, but what is not changing is the recognition, you know, of those participants and of those those winners. So, while yes, the recognition is going to look a little bit different this year, we're not hosting the traditional banquets um, that you that uh, folks are used to attending. Um, but they will be uh, recognition uh, sessions that will be happening throughout those days. And then again, obviously the recognitions as well during the general session. So we're still looking to highlight those students in every possible way that we can, um, just knowing that the actual competition part of in-person is, you know, is slightly different this year. And another question that keeps coming up is, you know, is this stuff going to, you know, all these changes that are going on with convention this year, is this how it's going to be? Is this what we're, you know, doing? We just want to really work on 21 right now and getting the best experience out there that we possibly can 
for, for every member. And then we'll evaluate, you know, we'll, we'll evaluate like we do every year with all the changes that we've made and, and see how we'll move forward in 22. But again, visiting the website, that's going to be the best place for people to get those exact details for all of those different competitive events that are taking place this year. Awesome. Um, Brianna, what's your favorite in-person. Mandy, you covered a lot of the great in-person things. And I'm going to come to you because I want to hear what your favorite is as the person who plans a lot of it. But Brianna, as as an egg teacher and a past attendee of National Convention, what is, what's your favorite thing about in-person convention? Way to put me on the spot. Um, you should just know. <laughs> right. Well, I think the thing that stands out the most to me is the last session where the national officers are are elected and how they just got i just got goosebumps thinking about being at that session (laughs) yeah so that's probably my favorite part i mean i love everything about convention i've had students compete and that's always fun and the banquets and everything to recognize them but um yeah probably the last session yeah i those of you that are listening if you are able to attend multiple times. I always try to pick things that the kids haven't done. And so we've never done the hypnotist yet, but my kids still rave about the career success tours that we went on. It was something we've never done and they talk about it all the time still. So check those out if that's not an experience that you've done at convention and days of service. My kids, I think, it's just one of their highlights um just going there and like giving because mm-hmm. that's just our that's a foundation of our program and they just love to go and help people and um kind of be in that relaxed setting and i'm excited that although it's going to look different it's still it's still making an impact and the kids love to give back so um anybody listening if you haven't done those things with your kids do them because they're definitely worth it uh, mandy what is your favorite out of the whole convention so, you know, okay, so the, I thought it was funny, uh, Brianna, that you mentioned that, that final session. So, you know, as staff members, you don't really get to see any, any part of convention in its entirety. Um, some, I, there's even some staff members who have never even been over to even see any portion of a, a session. And so I remember when I first started working there, my previous, um, my, the previous director of convention, he uh, had pulled me aside. Um, I think this was my second year, and he and he said, uh, "You need to take thirty minutes and go and go next door." And he said, "I just want you to see and feel what everybody else, you know, gets to feel." And so I did. I went over there, and I probably sa- and I just went and sat in the audience, you know, like with with everybody else. I didn't stand behind stage. I didn't, you know, try and you know stand off to the side. I wanted to really feel it you know, as, you know, as members were seeing it and that as if I didn't already love the convention that right there, it's, it's watching, it's, it's looking and seeing the reactions to everything that you've worked on for months and these students, the way that they really just appreciate each other, celebrate each other, the excitement. I mean, it just, it was like nothing I had ever, you know, really experienced in, in a job. And so I remember walking back across the street and my whole outlook on convention was completely different after that. 
Um, because in our job, you know, we don't really get to interact with students or with teachers really all that often, except for right at convention time. And so most of the time we're running around or asking or answering questions or pointing people in directions. And um, we don't really get a chance to really kind of stop for a second. So I now do the same thing with all of my staff members. I make sure that they take some time and go look at a part of convention and just stand there and just soak it in because um, we don't get to do that that often. So really, it's just watching the whole thing come together and just watching the, the happiness on the students' face. I love seeing state staff members, you know, that I only, you know, get to see, you know, once a year. And um, I, it's really fun for me, too, when, when teachers come by, um, especially ones that maybe I've been emailing with about something, putting names with faces and just, you know, so it's the community part of it. I could go on and on. There's so many cool things about convention that I love, but um, yeah, it's really just kind of watching everyone's reaction and, and just enjoying, you know, enjoying something they've been waiting on all year. Yeah, I'm getting to take my students this year and I'm just excited to go back and like have those experiences again, because I think it's something we all look forward to and and a yeah. lot of my students or most of my students will be their first time ever going. I was so. just going to ask you, do you normally take students and it's their first, their first trip? Yeah. Yeah. We go every other year. So okay. um, they haven't, the school that I'm at right now hasn't gone in, in a few years now, obviously with COVID last year. So mm -hmm. yeah. That's awesome. And it's just, I mean, we've felt it, that experience of like looking around as kids are in the light show and the national officers mm -hmm. are running in and it's just it I've been I don't even know how many conventions I've been to but every single year it still takes my breath away so mm -hmm. um and the fact that you guys can rep replicate that experience every year for people who have attended well over 10 20 times for some ag teachers is is pretty amazing um yeah so let's talk about the COVID protocols, obviously, um, your staff is still working hard to provide a safe experience, as you have done for many years prior to a pandemic. Um, safety has always been a concern um, and at the forefront of hosting such a big event. So what, what protocols will be in place that uh, teachers can have that conversation with administration, parents, and their students about? Yeah, so um, probably in uh, back in June, I think. Um, so on the on the homepage of the convention website, um, we have put out a letter on our commitment to attendee health and safety, and that letter will continue to get updated. I actually just updated it a few days ago. Um, with however changes are happening here in the state of Indiana, um, you know, nationally, locally, all, all of those things, we're trying to keep that as up to date as possible so that those conversations can be had and that teachers can plan, you know, the safety measures for your own trip. And so one of the top things that we're doing, obviously, like most people, we are following the CDC guidelines. And what's great about the CDC, I will say this, I have never been able to find an agency of that manner that has provided such detail and beneficial information to event planners. Um, you know, we, we think about health and safety every single year, no matter what event that it is, but to have um, the, the work that they have put into giving guidance, not only for planners, but now also for people who are attending. So in that letter, you will see a link that will take folks out to, um, precautions that they can do and follow that are recommended by CDC for attending a large event. Things of that nature are, you know, uh, 
hand washing and, you know, keeping little bottles of hand sanitizer, you know, with you. Um, obviously, it has been, I think it's still at least through September 13th. I'm sure it will go on beyond September 13th that masks are required for every individual on public transportation. So flying on a bus, um, taxi cabs, um, anything of that nature, if it's public transportation, you are required to wear a mask. And then uh, recommending that people get vaccinated and then recommending if you're not vaccinated um, that you wear a mask. So those are the guidance from the CDC for people who are attending, you know, attending large events. We are following those protocols and we'll continue to put those out there, but we're also um, in close watch of what's happening here in Indianapolis, um, specifically within Marion County, which is where the convention center and the stadium, the majority of our events are taking place. So at this time, um, you know, venues and hotels, everyone is back to basically, you know, 100% capacity. Um, planners can plan to use, you know, 100% of the buildings. Um, you don't have to worry about social distancing at this point. Um, you don't have to worry about having one-way traffic zones set up within the venues, which, you know, for a group of our size, not really sure how well that would be <laughs> followed anyways. Um, and masks are, as of this week, just a couple of days ago, there was a new uh, announcement made by the Marion County Board of Health that masks are now recommended for all people, whether you are vaccinated or not, if you're indoor in public areas. So the key word there is recommended, not mandated. So I did just update that letter uh, just a couple of days ago to reflect that new information. And we'll continue to follow. Um, you know, this is one of those things where keeping everyone up to date with what's going on here locally, um, but just everyone having that grace of this changes, you know, on a weekly, monthly, you know, basis, depending on what's going on. But for us, it is very important that we keep that line of communication open because we want everyone to be very, very well prepared for what the on-site experience is going to be. So a good example might be something like this. If we don't have a mask mandate, uh, for our convention, for our general convention activity. So that would be things inside the convention center, inside the stadium, the fairgrounds, um, the event hotels, things of that nature. If it's not a requirement within those venues to wear a mask, but it could be a requirement for a career success tour place that you're traveling to. So we will make sure that we have all of that communicated and listed out so that if you sign up for a career success tour where there are some restrictions within that facility, we will make sure that everyone is very well aware of that, um, you know, before they get here. So we're going to keep putting communication out. We send things out through um, through the FFA Weekly, which goes out every Friday, and that's a letter from Scott Stump, our CEO, and that has a series of information below it about things in the organization that are going on. That's a key place to check for information. The convention website will always be the first place that things get updated. Um, and then during, as we get closer to convention, um, there will be a no before you go uh, email that will get sent out to all those that are registered to attend in person uh, to make sure that we have everything lined out that we know of <laughs> two weeks out. Um, and then also just give some advice for, hey, let's just be a little pre-planning here. So maybe we don't have a mask mandate two weeks out. It could be that a few days beforehand that all changes. So just making sure that everyone is prepared as possible um, you know, for whatever might be, you know, in front of us for that in-person attendance. But we'll continue to keep everything as up-to-date as possible uh, as we have the information um, and just sort of roll with the punches, I guess, as we're all kind of getting used to that here in our 
in this new uh, pandemic and hopefully post-pandemic life. Right, right. Well, we appreciate that. And so you kind of gave the places to check for the not so fun things like COVID updates, but I'm kind of curious, you know, you won't tell us who the concert will be. Um, where can we find out that, like, where will that be posted when it is available? Yeah. So when we do make that announcement, uh, the convention website will be the first place that that will hit. There is an entertainment page that will soon be going up um, that will give information about the concert, the rodeo, and the hypnotist. Um, pricing for those events are already out there, but um, the actual specifics uh, like the concert artists. So that will be the first place it gets updated, but we also have social media blasts that will go out um, as well. So check our social media, Facebook and Instagram. Uh, those announcements will be made through those channels that day. And then we will also have an e-blast, a convention specific e-blast that will go out as well um, when we make big announcements like that. So I'm, I'm hoping that by the end, uh, mid to late August, I'll give you that. Mid to late August, we should be making um, the announcement of who our opening session speaker is going to be this year, as well as who the concert artist will be. There you have it. That's the, that's the tea she can spill is yep. the timeline. Um, Exciting, can, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you got to keep them coming back, right? Right. So, yeah. uh, convention.ffa.org is the place yep. you've said it multiple times, everybody listening, uh, flag that on your, your computer. Cause that's where you need to go for everything. Um, and like she said, it's constantly being updated so you can check back uh, and there's a lot of tools on there for planning and fundraising and how you can reassure your, your schools and your administration um, about attending this year. They've, I mean, your staff has done a nice job of keeping that up to date. So are there any other frequently asked questions that we haven't talked about that you, that you're getting a lot of, or that you, you do get a lot of in, in a normal convention year? Yeah, so, you know, for this year, um, you know, when we first made the announcement that we were going to plan on being in person, the most popular questions were, are we going to have to wear a mask and are we required to be vaccinated, you know, to attend and, and those two things are actually out on that letter as well and obviously with the mask, you know, we'll follow all mandates that are, you know, that are happening but at this time, um, there is not a mask requirement to attend in person, and we do not require um, attendees to be uh, vaccinated um, at this time. So again, we'll continue to follow what the guidelines are should those things change. But now we've kind of moved into a new wave. So housing opened a couple weeks ago, um, and I will say housing is booking up very quickly. Um, and so I think that's a, there are some questions that are coming in of, you know, what happens if I book a hotel and then my school shuts down, can I, you know, cancel my reservation? Um, and then the second part of that question that we're getting is, what if I register for a convention and I, all of a sudden we can't travel or our school system shuts down, can I get a refund on registration? So there's two different answers for those. So right now housing is open. You can book a reservation and you can cancel any reservations up until September the 8th with no penalties. So you would just follow the link that's in your hotel confirmation email, go back in, cancel your reservation, no harm, no foul, um, until September the 8th. If you cancel after September 8th, um, there is a one room night plus tax penalty that will be charged to the card that was, that's on file for, for that reservation. If it's even after housing closes, which is on September 30th, if you cancel or need to cancel because for whatever varieties of reasons, 
um, we are, you have to call the hotel directly where your reservation is after housing is closed. Um, some hotels won't charge. Some hotels may charge a one room night plus tax. It just kind of depends on, you know, on where you're staying. On the uh, registration front. So if you do register for convention and then all of a sudden you find out that your school has shut down or they have now prohibited travel uh, for October, um, we, and we'll put this information out there, um, but we would require some type of written notification. So whether that is a copy of an email from the school administrator making this announcement, you know, a screenshot from an announcement on a school's website that we would need that information in order for us to then go in and fully refund uh, your registration if your school prohibits you, you know, from traveling um, all of a sudden. So, uh, so the answer on the refund is, is yes for extreme circumstances of that, of that nature. Ticketmaster is another question that we're getting asked about uh, for when you, if you purchase uh, rodeo or concert tickets. Um, you know, a couple years ago, we're, we're, even though we are a private concert, we're still under the same rules and regulations within those venues. And so we have to use Ticketmaster in order for, uh, to have those, you know, to have those types of events. It didn't always used to be the case. Um, this wasn't a change on, on our end. This is just the change in those venues. And so we have to go through Ticketmaster. Um, we don't have any say in the rules and regulations around Ticketmaster. So unfortunately, if you are unable to attend in person and you have purchased rodeo and concert tickets, there's a couple different things that you can do. And it kind of goes back to the old school way when um, you would show up for on-site registration and we used to have a board up on the wall and teachers would post post-it notes. Hey, I got two concert tickets. Call me at this number. I can give them to you, sell them to you, things of that nature. This electronic way through Ticketmaster doesn't really work that well, but you can certainly try um, and sell your tickets to somebody who, you know, to another chapter that is going. The transferring of those tickets is very easy. It's all done through an email. Um, so the person who purchased the tickets on the Ticketmaster app can go in and elect to share those tickets with somebody else. Um, and then obviously taking care of the payment is, is you know, up to, up to you. Unfortunately, though, you cannot call Ticketmaster and cancel your tickets. They will not, they do not have a refund um, policy. There is an option to purchase uh, insurance uh, for those tickets through Ticketmaster, just like they do for all other, you know, events um, that could assist you then in getting your refund back. Um, if you opted to to purchase the extra insurance, but um, Ticketmaster, uh, you yeah, won't be able to get just a refund for canceling. So there's a lot of important information in the last part of this episode. So <laughs> yeah. rewind. You're gonna have to re-listen to this. I know I'm going to because I know some of this isn't at the front of our minds right now, but yeah. it's closer. Um, a lot of this is going to be really important. So, uh, man, check the FAQ section too. So, on the convention website, on the bottom left of the menu, there's an FAQ section. We are constantly adding questions to that. Um, the the ones around refunds, and you know, because that's working a little bit different this year uh, for us. But um, we will have another update to the website coming um, the early part of next week, um, and we are adding some additional questions to that FAQ. So. You know, the more the questions come in, you know, we just keep we just keep adding them onto that because you know we don't necessarily always remember and think through the process of planning convention trips the way that you guys do. So it's very helpful for us. Uh, people can write in, uh, send an email to convention at ffa.org. 
Um, I get those emails, so I always will do my best to send them off to whoever, you know, is appropriate to answer that question, or if it's questions I keep seeing reoccurring, then I'll get that up on the website um, if it's a real popular question. Well, we want to thank you so much for being here um, and talking about our favorite part of the year, and we're yeah. excited to be in person. Those of you listening, make sure if you have those questions, email Mandy and she'll she'll connect you with the, the great staff member that's in charge of that area of convention. And I would say I've never done your job, Mandy, but I'm assuming that there's some not so nice emails that come your way. And I think now more than ever, we need to give everybody a little bit of grace um, because I mean, we know going forward that things are gonna change as, as October approaches. Um, you're trying to plan a convention for a bunch of different states that have all different rules. And so if you can, I think it would be awesome for your students after they've attended virtually or in person to maybe send an email with those warm, fuzzy stories and pictures to her team, because I bet you they would love to see them and then blast them all over social media because everybody likes seeing everybody's experience at conventions. So thanks again, Mandy. Um, those of you listening, make sure you like Here by the Owl podcast on Facebook and Instagram. And if you have a future topic idea or you want to be a guest, we would love to have you. So message us on social media.